0: Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Mana. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you all had a great holiday filled with family, friends, and sitting back and being so grateful for all the opportunities and things that we take for granted in this beautiful life. I, for one, am definitely thankful for the people that support me with this podcast and with me chasing my dreams all of you that tune in every single week hope you guys had an amazing holiday the football was fantastic i had a great time with family and good food you can't really beat that and you know baseball we're moving towards the hall of fame which is a very big passion of mine and they released the new ballot it was kind of obvious what guys survived last year's ballot from the five percent and what guys now remain on the ballot i'm gonna go name by name really quick based off who's available on the writers ballot and i'm just gonna tell you a yes or no some with a little bit of extra some with not much at all. Bobby Abreu has survived this long. I think this is going to be his third year on the ballot. And Bobby Abreu has some sneaky numbers. I won't be mad if he's a veterans committee guy, but in terms of getting in through the writers, he would be a miss for me. Bronson Arroyo, former Red Sox and Reds pitcher. I actually met him in person. Really cool guy, great musician, had a really nice career, not a Hall of Famer. Carlos Beltran, The only obvious Hall of Famer, I would say, out of the newcomers to the ballot, and Carlos Beltran, 5-tool center fielder. He has 470 stolen bases. He's a guy that's one of four switch hitters in the 400 home run club with Chipper Jones, Mickey Mantle, and Eddie Murray, who are all in the Hall of Fame. And I think he would have been someone that got in first or second ballot easily if it wasn't for in his last season being not just part of the Astros cheating scandal but actually being a scapegoat and being the only player named in the report about the Astros sign stealing scandal he lost the New York Mets managerial job that he was hired to do because of it He lost the New York Mets managerial job that he was hired to do because of that, and he hasn't been really in the limelight since, and I do think that writers will punish him for that. I don't know to what extent. I don't know if it will be like the steroid guys that were even more obvious Hall of Famers like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens that they don't get in at all, but I do think Carlos Beltran will have plenty of supporters despite that final year where he didn't really add much to his stats the only thing he added to the resume obviously was the world series championship but to me he's a hall of fame player regardless of that final season mark burley someone that sneakily was a workhorse pitcher and i will not be mad if he gets in through an error committee in a couple decades but through the writers, I just don't think he'll ever get the support needed to be a Hall of Fame pitcher. Matt Kane, first-timer, perfect game thrower, was part of those San Francisco Giant World Series teams in the mid-2000s. and Just a really nice career, nothing to sniff at, but definitely not compiled enough to be a Hall of Famer. Something that's kind of extinct in today's game, R.A. Dickey, the knuckleballer. Won a Cy Young, had a really nice stretch there with the Mets. He's not a Hall of Famer, but a nice career. Jacoby Ellsbury, electric, went healthy with the Red Sox, had that near MVP season, helping them win the World Series in 2013. Then he signed with the Yankees and absolutely destroyed their payroll for the time of that contract because he barely played. Nice career, but not a Hall of Famer. Andre Ethier, guy that, again, health was an issue, but when he was on the field with Matt Kemp in that outfield, he was a very good player, worthy of being on the ballot, but not a Hall of Famer. J.J. Hardy, first time on the ballot. Shortstop with some pop. He was actually the one that relegated Manny Machado to third base originally because Manny Machado was a shortstop prospect and the Orioles were actually good back then and J.J. Hardy was hitting 20-30 bombs a year so they moved Manny Machado over to third base and he's kind of stayed there for the majority of his career. Good player, not a Hall of Famer. Todd Helton, really interesting name. He bumped up to 52% last year on the ballot and as we've seen... Everyone that's not affiliated with steroids, who has gotten at least 50% of the ballot, eventually gets elected, and I believe that Todd Helton will be a Hall of Famer, just maybe not on this ballot. Tory Hunter, underrated center fielder. He might be an error committee guy. I think he just misses in terms of the offensive numbers. His batting average is pretty low. He was a very good defender with a decent bat. Just a quality pro, quality guy from all accounts, but not a Hall of Famer in my mind. Andrew Jones is one of the toughest ones because the baseball writers in the pre-expansion era of the late 60s have not voted in any players with less than 2,000 career hits. It's been deemed as the rule of 2,000 for the Hall of Fame. And Andrew Jones falls short of the rule of 2,000 because after the first 11 years or so of his career... Andrew Jones fell off in a big way despite him having 400 home runs and 10 gold gloves as a center fielder the batting average the hits the RBIs it all suffered from him falling off the cliff a lot earlier than most second half of his career he was a below average player and that's why he hasn't gotten the support he bumped up to 40% I think that he's gonna be an error committee guy but I would put him on my ballot just because of the pure dominance he showed at one of the toughest defensive positions. Jeff Kent is one that I've never understood. Most home runs by a second baseman. Great offensive numbers as an MVP. I understand the media didn't like him very much. I understand he wasn't a Roberto Alomar level defender, but few are. He just doesn't get much support by the writers. He's going to be an error committee guy that gets in on the first or second try from the error committee, and it's a shame because I would put him on my ballot. John Lackey was a big-game pitcher, and he doesn't have the career numbers, but helping the Angels win a World Series as a young player, then helping the Red Sox in 2013 and the Cubs break the curse in 2016, Really nice career for John Lackey that I think will get swept under the rug as the years go on, but really good pitcher. Another 2013 Red Sox member, Mike Napoli. Catcher turned first baseman, lots of power, not much else. Nice career, great beard, not a Hall of Famer. Johnny Peralta, another shortstop with some pop. Really solid career, mainly with Cleveland and Detroit. I enjoyed watching him play, but he's not a Hall of Famer, doesn't have the numbers. Andy Pettit is a questionable one because he admitted to using a substance to recover from injury. And he has the most wins by any pitcher in the decade of the 2000s. Typically, when you have the most wins in a decade as a pitcher... You're a Hall of Famer. And I do think if Andy Pettit doesn't get in through the writers, he will be an error committee guy. But he just misses my ballot just because of the line I put in the sand about PEDs. After 2003, he had the issue and then admitted to using. So I would keep him out. Manny Ramirez, same thing. He got busted for steroids after baseball started clearly banning it, and he broke a written rule. One of the best right-handed hitters I've ever seen amazing player wouldn't be a hall of famer on my ballot alex rodriguez same thing and alex rodriguez is probably going to be the biggest star that's outside of my hall of fame because of that delineation i made in the sand he has 700 he has just under 700 home runs he has 3,000 hits crazy amount of rbis mvps galore wouldn't be on my ballot the only other first timer on this ballot that I think has a chance of sticking around is Francisco Rodriguez better known as K-Rod had the most saves in a single season by reliever he has over 450 saves really good back-end guy I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but I do think that he has a big enough body of work to be considered and looked at. Scott Rowland is going to be the big name everyone's watching as the ballot is cleared up with all the steroid guys that were big question marks and some of the obvious guys that didn't get in. But Scott Rowland bumped up to 63% last ballot. To me, he is Nolan arenado light. Nolan Arenado, I've been talking about the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. Scott Rowland was a defensive first player, but he has good enough offensive numbers. He was able to accumulate over 70 career war, which is very good. And he had the perfect mix of defense and OPS to be an above average player. He's basically the Larry Walker of third baseman, someone that had a shorter peak because of injuries, but had the talent as an all-around player, and I would put him in the Hall of Fame. I hope that he makes the jump and gets in this year, but it's going to be close. Jimmy Rollins is one of the most overlooked players, I think. On the ballot, he barely survived the purge last year, getting the 5% needed to stick around, and he's a shortstop, doesn't have a high batting average, but won an MVP, Led the league in triples multiple times. Good amount of stolen bases. Lead-off guy. Spark plug. Leader. And shortstop is a position that I think is very underrepresented in Cooperstown. I don't think Jimmy Rollins is going to get in through the writers, but I do think that if he gets enough tries on the writers' ballot, he has a very good shot of being an era committee guy. Someone that was never considered a superstar, but was one of the better players on his teams for the better part of a decade in Philadelphia. Gary Sheffield, he just misses that line. Now that David Ortiz has gotten in, Gary Sheffield, in my opinion, 500 home runs. He's not known for a single team like David Ortiz is, but he has the playoff moments with Florida and a few other teams. I would put Gary Sheffield on my ballot. Houston Street, over 300 career saves, really good reliever. Not good enough for Cooperstown, in my opinion. Omar Vizquel had that domestic abuse claim dropped. Um, I don't like to get into that stuff, but it definitely affected his trending on the ballot. He was trending in a very positive direction and took a big dip last year because of it. I don't know how many of those votes he'll get back, if any. He's someone that's one of the best defensive shortstops of all time and accumulated a lot of hits. I don't know if he's going to get in through the writers, but I would put him on my ballot because I do think that the numbers merit Hall of Fame induction, and there's no reason for me to keep him out now. Billy Wagner is a just miss for me. He is the sabermetric darling for relief pitchers. A lot of people look at his K rate and all the things, his run prevention. He was great. Not a clutch guy that helped teams win championships and closed the door. But he had a lot of saves. Great career. He just misses for me. Jared Weaver was a Cy Young finalist multiple times. The last great Angels pitcher before Shohei Otani. Nice career and all, not a Hall of Famer. Jason Wirth had a really good start to his career in Philadelphia. He got overpaid in Washington, and the shift in sabermetrics kind of took his style of play to fade out of existence. Nice career, not a Hall of Famer. So if I was to submit a ballot with guys that I think are Hall of Famers in my mind, My ballot would be Carlos Beltran, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Scott Rowland, Gary Sheffield, Omar Vizquel, and Jimmy Rollins. I would put eight names on my ballot. I think that there's guys like Bobby Abreu and Mark Burley and Francisco Rodriguez and Andy Pettit that are real close. To being error committee guys, but I'm not sure how they'll fall. Andy Pettit gets really dicey for me because of my steroid stance. And obviously Manny Ramirez and Alice Rodriguez, if they decide steroids don't matter, or will be ushered into the Hall of Fame with their career numbers. So interested to see how the Hall of Fame committee votes. The error committee has a tough job to do, in my opinion, with that stacked ballot that I've covered on a past episode. And the baseball writers kind of have an open ballot. Over the next couple years, Adrian Beltre, 3,000-hit club guy, one of the best third basemen of all time, who will be eligible next year and get in first ballot. Two years from now, Ichiro Suzuki, 3,000 hits, one of the greatest leadoff hitters of all time. And CeCe Sabathia, one of the best left-handed pitchers of all time, will be on the first ballot and take votes away. So it's going to be interesting to see what the future of this ballot looks like. This is going to be a time for the guys that got over 40%. Andrew Jones, Todd Helton, Scott Rowland. They're going to have to make up some ground. And hopefully, that will help them get into Cooperstown. So, voting will come out at the end of the month. And if you want to follow along with me, how people are voting... For the Hall of Fame. Follow at not Mr. Tibbs. On Twitter, Ryan Thibodeau and his team do a great job keeping track of all the public Hall of Fame ballots and adding up the percentage in a spreadsheet to tell you how players are tracking. The players I'm most interested to see how they trend are Scott Rowland because he's the closest, and Carlos Beltran because he is the biggest candidate out of the first time guys so definitely pay attention to that i will be talking about the hits the misses and the climbers fallers the guys that fell off the ballot or stayed on the ballot will be really big for you know election and we'll see if any of these guys join the illustrious one hall of fame vote club where a guy that just a stand-up dude or made a real big memory with a writer ends up getting one vote and the one vote only from a hall of fame writer that's always fun to point out as well baseball is getting towards the winter meetings there's already been some low-level trades and deals mostly done by the angels they signed tyler anderson all-star left-hander from the dodgers To help shore up that rotation. That is now very lefty heavy. I won't be shocked if they go out. And try to bring in. A Nate Yavaldi, Chris Bassett type right hander. To kind of level out their staff a little bit. They traded for Hunter Renfro. Who is now going to be playing for his fifth team in five years. Hunter Renfro. Really solid corner outfielder. With some pop. Good throwing arm. People have said for years that he looks like Mike Trout. And now him and Mike Trout will be sharing the same outfield. I'm sure that will be really fun to watch the stuff that they do with that. And I'm interested that the Angels are leaning in to try to contend even though they're trying to sell the team. I think that's a really nice strategy. Try to boost the value of your company before you sell it. And you have one more year of Shohei Otani. Try to make the most of it and make the playoffs. NFL just had Thanksgiving football, which is beautiful every single year. The Lions and Cowboys have always hosted games and love doing it. And then there's always two other teams that get kind of agreed to or forced into playing. And it's been really fun. The first game was a lot more competitive than people thought. Bills edged out the Lions 28-25. to Amon Ross St. Brown had a big game on The Lions side, Jamal Williams, 13 rushing touchdowns, is the most by a Lion since Barry Sanders in the early 90s. He's been getting all the goal line work, and he's been cashing in on them. So the Lions, their winning streak comes to a halt, but they played the Bills as good as anybody has played the Bills. Tyler Bass with the game-winning field goal after missing the extra point that would have given them a lead. Giants Cowboys the score looks a lot more respectable than the game actually was the Cowboys were in control of this game since the second quarter 28 to 20 was the final score CeeDee Lamb over 100 yards he's coming into his own as the wide receiver one Dalton Schultz a couple touchdowns whoever started him in fantasy is really happy Michael Gallup good game Zeke got in the end zone per Thanksgiving rules and you know the Giants side of the ball Saquon saved his day with a touchdown. Darius Slayton was the Giants' wide receiver to start with Wandale Robinson out. Otherwise, you were probably pretty upset starting a New York Giants player. Patriots, Vikings. As a Patriots fan, I didn't have high hopes coming into this one. The Vikings have been a seriously good team, and Kirk Cousins led them to victory. Mac Jones had some troubles. There was a very questionable no-touchdown call with Hunter Henry on the goal line. Not going to get into it. Nobody wants to work on Thanksgiving. There were some ticky-tacky calls throughout all the games. I don't love the call. I think Hunter Henry was in there. If you look at the replay, his hand was under the ball. But, hey, you can't win them all. And I don't think that score would have ended up making a difference in this one because... The Vikings just flat out played better. Going into the Sunday slate, a lot of interesting games. Texans, Dolphins, Kyle Allen will be starting in place of Davis Mills, who has been benched against the Dolphins. I don't think this makes a big difference for the Houston pass catchers. The only difference that I can think of is maybe instead of Brandon Cooks being the number one receiver, that Nico Collins has better chemistry with kyle allen and ends up having a big game but that's who you play if you're playing a texans receiver it's a 50 50 dart throw with me between cooks and collins dolphin side of the ball i mean you can run all over the texans you're wilson and i'm definitely starting tyreek and waddle so i'm expecting the dolphins to have their way in this one Maybe Houston keeps it tight in the first half, falls away in the second half. But I don't expect Kyle Allen to rally the troops in this one. Bengals-Titans. Two teams that have been really fighting. Joe Mixon will miss this one with a concussion, so that's huge. Samaj P. Ryan will be getting the start for Cincinnati. Titans side of the ball. You start Derrick Henry, and if you're starting a receiver, it's Traylon Burks season, baby. Traylon Burks, I think we'll have a nice game without Chido Wiyuze in that secondary. Bengals, you can start P Ryan as an RB2. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Those are the kind of guys you're looking at to start. Maybe Hayden Hurst. Broncos, Panthers. The Panthers trying to figure things out. Dante Foreman had a really rough game. He's probably still the running back to start. Broncos cut Melvin Gordon. So now it is Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack in the backfield. So Murray is the guy to play. You start Sutton and Judy. You can start Dolchich. And Panthers, if you're starting a pass catcher, it is always going to be DJ Moore. And you hope for the best. I have the Broncos winning that one on the road bears at jets the jets also made a quarterback change this week mike white will be starting in place of zach wilson who will actually not be dressing they are punishing him because after a tough loss to the patriots zach wilson walked around the locker room basically saying it was not on him and acting like the game didn't matter that can't happen in the nfl everybody knows that except for zach wilson let's see what mike white can do I've, justin field was playing I would pick the Bears, but because Justin Fields hurt his elbow last week and there might be a backup quarterback in play here, I'm actually going to pick Mike White to win in his Jets debut this season over the Bears at home. Falcons at Commanders. Cordero Patterson has been playing well. Kyle Pitts' season is probably over with a torn MCL. So Drake London is the pass catcher that you will play in atlanta commanders terry mclaurin and antonio gibson every week starts jd mckissick is going to be out for a while so antonio gibson is the pass catching back and is much more explosive Uh, those are the guys you play commanders have been just playing really good football with taylor heineke and i expect that to continue here these are two teams that are better than expected and i expect it to be a really fun game for fantasy and just to watch i'll give the commanders the win at home in this one Browns Buccaneers last start for Jacoby Brissett before Watson comes back the Browns offense went off last week Jacoby Brissett looked good Cooper looked good Chubb looked good and the Buccaneers have just been very average I understand they had the bye to prepare Tom Brady is the ultimate preparer in the NFL I think that him and Mike Evans and Rashad White as the starting running back coming out of the bye. They're going to look good. It's going to be a good game, but give me the home Browns here in this one. Ravens at Jaguars. Lamar Jackson is going to shred this Jaguars. Secondary, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, DuVernay, everyone who's out there I'm comfortable with playing whenever I need to and I just don't think the Jaguars will be able to keep up Christian Kirk will be the garbage time guy on the Jag side and you're starting ETN regardless of game script because he will get receptions Raiders Seahawks the Raiders have really disappointed me in a lot of spots Devontae Adams has been smashing with all the other receivers on IR Josh Jacobs, he's an RB2 with RB1 upside. Seahawks, starting DK. You can start Lockett. I think Geno, with the 12th man, will be able to make this a fun game. And I expect the Seahawks will have the better defense to win the game there at home. Cardinals, Chargers. Kyler has been practicing, but I don't think he's going to play in this one. So it'll be Colt McCoy or Trace McSorley. Against the Chargers and... You know, Austin Eckler, fantasy superstar. I'm expecting him to have a big game in this one. Uh, I think that the Chargers are going to eat. Mike Williams came back. Keenan Allen is day-to-day. The Chargers are starting to get healthy, and I'm expecting them to really show what they can do in this one. Saints at 49ers. Christian McCaffrey's not getting the usage that everyone hoped when the trade happened, but he is still being very good on his touches. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, doing very well. Start those guys. Saints are sticking with Andy Dalton, and it's been working for him. Got the win last week, and, you know, he's thrown Olave. Juwan Johnson's been a touchdown-dependent tight end, but a guy that you can play. And the Taste from Hill Week is looming. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't expect it to be against San Francisco, though. So I'll give the 49ers the win at home there over the Saints. Chiefs, Rams. The Rams cut their starting running back who is by far their best running back on the roster. Darrell Henderson. He signed with Jacksonville. I don't expect him to suit up for the Jags this week, but be a thorn in ETN side the rest of the season. The Chiefs dominated at Sofi. Kelsey had another three-touchdown game. That combination is in your lineup every single week, and it's a game-changer. Juju's been banged up. MVS, hit or miss. But the Rams just don't have the firepower to keep up. It's going to be Bryce Perkins playing for the Rams with John Wolford and Matthew Stafford Hurt. So Chiefs by a million. Perkins might make it close at the beginning. But I don't expect him to be able to hold out the whole game. Packers-Eagles, really interesting game because the Eagles have came back down to earth and the Packers have started playing decent football. Aaron Rodgers has a broken thumb, so it's not going to be 100%. But I don't think he needs to be in this one. I expect it to be a really fun Sunday night game. One of the best games of the weekend. But I will give the home team Eagles the advantage here. To beat the Packers. It's going to be fun. Christian Watson is the Packers receiver to start. Aaron Jones is in your lineup. Eagles side of the ball. You're starting A.J. Brown. You can start Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders. Final game. Monday Night Football. Steelers at Colts. The Colts. hey, They've been running the football. With Jonathan Taylor. That's going to help you a lot. The defense is really Started playing well, they're healthy. But the Steelers, man, on the road. Kenny Pickett is finally starting to gel with these receivers. George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, even a little Najee out of the backfield. I think that they're all playable and I think you can get it done. Colts side of the ball, you're just starting Pittman and Taylor. I think the Steelers get this win on the road. I don't like either team, to be honest, but I'm going to pick the team that has the more offensive firepower. So my picks for this weekend are Steelers over Colts, Eagles over Packers, Chiefs over Rams, Niners over Saints, Chargers over Cardinals, Seahawks over Raiders, Ravens over Jags, Browns over Bucks, Commanders over Falcons, Jets over Bears, Broncos over Panthers, Titans over Bengals and Dolphins. Over Texans. Appreciate you listening as always. You can follow me on Twitter at DominicManna44. Hope you guys have enjoyed your holiday weekend. Enjoy your solo shot Saturday, and I'll catch you in the next one. Peace.